Welcome to Slim and Satisfied, a podcast about weight loss for women dealing with hormonal imbalances. I'm Daphna Chazen, registered dietitian and weight loss coach, and I invite you to join me weekly for conversations, practical strategies, and resources that will lead you on the right path to feeling satisfied with your body and your life. And now, let's get to today's episode. Hey there and welcome back. I am so happy that you've decided to join me today because I have a special guest on the podcast today. It's no other than my sister, Liat. And Liat and I are going to talk a little bit about anxiety because she's a therapist who specializes in working with young adults, treating anxiety and other mood disorders. And what she's going to talk about today is specifically how anxiety can play into some of the decisions that we make, what anxiety is, how can someone get started with recognizing their anxiety levels and what they can do to resolve it, even if they don't have access to mental health or healthcare professionals that specializes in anxiety. So I can't wait to share this with you. She is my sister and I love her, but I also have the highest respect for the work that she does because she is an excellent professional in the mental health space. And I'm so excited that she came on the show to talk a little bit about anxiety And I think we're going to have her back in the future, too. Here we go. Let's get into my conversation with Liat Haim. Well, 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 look who's on the show. Liat, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. So I already told everyone that you're my sister, but that's (laughs) not the reason why I asked you to come on. I asked you to come on the show today for a very important topic, something that I know that you know a lot about and that you work with every single day, and that is anxiety. Correct. So before we jump into that, can you tell my listeners a little bit about your background and what type of work you do? Sure. So my name is Liat Haim. Uh, I'm a licensed professional counselor. I'm a psychotherapist uh, in a private practice. Uh, I'm working mainly with children, adolescents, and young adults. And a few months ago, I've decided to go back to school and earn a nutrition and healthy living certificate. Uh, you know, Daphne, I always felt that counseling and nutrition go hand in hand. And in my everyday work, I find a direct correlation between anxiety, stress, and food. So throughout the years, I've learned to see my patient as a whole. And, you know, I strongly believe that as mental health professionals, we should look at a patient as a whole. And I truly believe that a patient's mental health state, their nutrition, their sleeping habits, uh, their exercise habits, all should be looked at in order uh, for us professionals to understand uh, what the best treatment plan is for them. So in my practice, um, I use obviously talk therapy. I also use uh, play therapy. I use art therapy, art therapy, especially uh, with the very young uh, population that I treat. Uh, But I mainly use therapy methods and technique that derives from uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, also known as CBT. Uh, I found this technique to be very beneficial for my patient. It's a very goal-oriented psychotherapy treatment with patients love. Uh, It's all about the here and now, you know, uh, we're not talking about, you know, our childhood or anything like that. So in a nutshell, I can tell you that the focus of CBT uh, in my practice is mainly on changing patterns of behavior, um, 
patterns, you know, thinking, patterns, patterns of thinking or behaviors that are behind uh, people's difficulties. Now, CBT also focuses on positive thinking. Uh, we do some relaxation techniques, problem-solving techniques. But in my practice, the main focus is providing patients with the coping skills and the social skills that they need. Uh, it's very important for me that my patients will be able to use the skill that they've gained in therapy and really utilize it, you know, in, in everyday life. Uh, so for that reason, therapy sessions are tailored to my patients' need, and this way they're able to build um, their own toolbox, if you will, uh, which consisted of the very specific and necessary skills that they uh, can use for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I love this. And I love that, like you said, it's goal-oriented. So you're looking Correct. forward, you're looking into the future and what people can do to Correct. manage it as opposed to digging in the past and all that kind of stuff, which works for some people. But I think most people today are looking for practical tools, like you said. Correct. Correct. Tell me a little bit about, I know, of course, some of your background because we're sisters, but tell me <laughs> a little bit about what made you go into this industry specifically? So, you know, I, I, I've been always fascinated by human beha behavior. I, always, I was always, always interested in listening to people's stories and people's struggle. I always, always wanted to know why people chose one path over the other. So when I pursued my undergrad degree, uh, I chose to focus on very specific psychology courses. And I right away knew that this is what I wanted to do and what my academic focus will be in the next few years. So towards the end of graduate school, I interned in a nonprofit organization. I treated patients really of, of all ages. Uh, I ran some group therapy sessions as well as individual uh, therapy sessions. And I also worked with adoptions. Uh, I helped families go through the very emotionally exhausting process of adopting a child. But I have to admit that from the very beginning, I was always mostly intrigued by working with the younger population, specifically with young children and teenagers. So towards the end of my internship, I decided to go back to school um, and learn more about the counseling children and adolescents in today's world. I've earned a certificate uh, for specializing in treating children, adolescents, and young adults. Um, and, and it was great. You know, my main interest was to delve deeper into uh, many struggles that children and teenagers go through living in a world of advanced technology and easy access to necessary, and we all know some unnecessary information. Um, you know, what children exp are experiencing today is very different than what we experienced when we were younger. You know, we played outside more, definitely had less temptations and less things to worry about uh, because we weren't exposed to what's going on in the world um, as much as children are today. And um, that's very, very different than to today's generation. So I'm really happy that uh, I chose this path. Uh, as I said before, I'm in a private practice in East Brunswick for about 10 years now. And every day I learn something new. That's really awesome. And I know that a lot of the patients that work with you, you follow them for a long time. So they start off as teenagers, but then some of them, you know, young women right. and men go to college. And so many of my listeners are in those post-college uh, 20s years. And right. I think that a lot of the 
patients that you work with, you can relate because some of the patterns continue into young adulthood, right? Correct. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. So tell me a little bit. So there are many things that you know about and many conditions that you treat. But what I wanted to focus on today is anxiety specifically because many of the women that I work with, and I think just to backtrack a little bit, what you said about the person, you know, being a whole, looking at the whole person, their nutrition, their lifestyle, their sleep habits, everything that's going on emotionally, it's all connected. So you and I are are on the same page on that. And I definitely look more at the nutrition. You look more on the mental side of things. But I think anxiety a lot of times is right there in the middle right? So a lot of times we see people who deal with anxiety, they may know it it or not, right? They may come to you not even realizing that they have anxiety and that's impacting a lot of the decisions that they make in their life, right? Correct. Correct. Yes. So tell us to start off, what exactly is anxiety? Because I think people throw this word around like, (laughs) you know, all the time. And I think it's not always use the best way. So exactly what is anxiety? So, you know, anxiety is a normal human feeling. You know, many times when we hear the word anxiety, we immediately think very negatively, right? We think, wow, that's not normal. I should not feel anxious. I shouldn't be that worried. But anxiety is no less normal than feeling joy, uh, for example, you know? So anxiety, like all mental health concerns, becomes a problem when it interferes with our everyday functioning, right? Which means that when our anxiety dictates what we can and cannot do, then that's when it becomes a concern or a problem. Now, when I say everyday functioning, I'm not talking about when we refuse to ride a roller coaster uh, or avoid uh, taking a helicopter ride. That's okay. That's a situation that most people would rather avoid because it triggers feeling of fear and, and it makes, you know, makes them anxious. That's okay. What I'm referring to, I'm referring to other circumstances, very trivial, everyday things that we should do. So, for example, if we're not attending a social event at work, or if we're not going to the movie theater um, with our friends, or if we're not going to visit our grandparents because driving there requires us to drive on a busy highway, then that's a good indicator that our anxiety is much higher than we want it to be. And maybe we should seek help and learn healthy coping skills to deal with it uh, because we are holding ourselves back from doing things that we should do. Now, the good news, Daphna, is that, you know, anxiety with the right treatment, anxiety can improve our, you know, our quality of life and create a life that, um, is better for us. Now, I wouldn't say a worry-free kind of life because human nature is to worry, but we can definitely live a more relaxed way of life in which we don't have to be afraid of doing the things that, that we should do. So when anxiety is being taken care of, we can actually live a good, healthy life. Mm-hmm. And when people come to you, is it really clear immediately that they have anxiety or no how do you know if someone has anxiety so that's a very important question because the more we learn about anxiety and the symptoms of anxiety the easier um it will be for us to recognize that it is anxiety and that we seek help so 
there are different kind of symptoms that I would like to mention today, just to help, you know, your listeners, uh, you know, in recognizing uh, if they have anxiety or suffer from anxiety. And for the a better understanding, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to divide it into four groups, okay? Because there are physical symptoms, there are emotional symptoms, there are cognitive symptoms, and also behavioral symptoms. So I'm going to talk very briefly about each symptom because I think that, you know, uh, it's important that people know what the symptoms are. Uh, so I'm going to start with the emotional symptoms because these are the most common symptoms of stress and anxiety. And these are symptoms that people usually are able to recognize and attribute to, the, to, 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 to anxiety and stress. So emotional symptoms usually include, you know, feeling of depression, a little bit of moodiness. Sometimes we feel anger, irritability. We usually feel very overwhelmed and sometimes people feel lonely or even isolated. Um, and there are also, uh, you know, some mental and emotional health problems that are being triggered when we are anxious. But generally, you know, we just feel unhappy most of the time. Now, cognitive symptoms, the cognitive symptoms are a little different, but also very common. So with cognitive symptoms, we sometimes experience, you know, memory issues, for example, when we suddenly, you know, and I'm sure it happens to many listeners because it happened to me, when we suddenly don't remember even simple, trivial things as why I stopped at the grocery store, what is it that I needed to get? And it's very frustrating because we immediately think, oh, wow, what's wrong with me? How could I forget what I needed to buy? Am I getting old that I'm so forgetful? So memory issues are definitely very common and it can be, uh, you know, a red flag. Other red flags that I can think of for cognitive symptoms are poor judgment, you know, which, you know, we don't really make appropriate decisions. Sometimes we act very silly. Um, other things can be brain fog, which is also an example of, you know, cognitive symptom, uh, which refers to um, a lack of, you know, sharp focus and, and, and things that are similar to that. And, uh, other very common symptoms are, you know, just negative thinking. Uh, we only see the glass half empty and we see the future in a very, very negative way. Um, now the physical symptoms are actually the trickiest one because usually people don't attribute these symptoms to anxiety. Now, before I even talk about the very few symptoms, I would like to emphasize something that is very important here. If we're not feeling well physically, obviously it's very important to be checked by a doctor and make sure that these symptoms are not due to any medical concern. But it's also important that we understand that, you know, some aches and pain, as well as nausea, dizziness, some chest pain, sometimes we have you know, rapid heart rate, you know, our hands are sweaty, uh, can be due to anxiety. You know, it can be due to, uh, you know, a panic attack that is just about to come or we just experienced or just an overload of, of stress. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the behavioral symptoms are also very common. Um, and it's when we're eating or sleeping too much or sometimes too little. Uh, when we're withdrawing from others, we don't do things that we um, used to enjoy. We procrastinate or not keep up with our responsibility. One very common behavioral symptom is also nail biting or even cuticle biting, mm -hmm. which is very soothing for people who are stressed and anxious. So most people don't even pay attention that they do it. 
and they definitely don't attribute to it, and they don't attribute attribute it to anxiety or stress until they start, you know, psychotherapy treatment. Now, notice. Yeah, I think I was telling you that Neil, my husband, has an issue with cuticle biting, and I (laughs) never knew that that could be anxiety related until I told you about it, and you said, "Well, that could be anxiety," and I said, "Oh my God!" So. There's so many different things that we may think are just the way we are or just what we do, but actually it's, it's not. Correct. And, you know, other noticeable behaviors are when people are, you know, constantly pacing and moving around, you know, or, you know, or they just, you know, can't, they just find it very difficult to sit still and relax. And the last behavioral symptoms that I would like to mention, which is very common, unfortunately, is when people are using, you know, alcohol, cigarette, drugs to help themselves relax, to forget about the problem. But that's really when people, you know, you know, are obviously either have an addiction or uh, they just, la- you know, have don't have the healthy coping skills to deal with uh, their stress and anxiety. So, um, yeah, so that's that's. That's sometimes how people cope with it, unfortunately. So these four categories that you just listed, there are so many different things within each category. And I think every person listening could find themselves doing one or more of these things for sure. I know as you were mm-hmm. listing them, I was like, okay, check, check. I do this. Right. I do this. Um, could someone develop anxiety over time? What if someone didn't have any of these symptoms and all of a sudden they're creeping up, they're starting to notice different things that are happening could anxiety develop as a result of stress or trauma or over time? Or is it you either have it or you don't? Yes. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, we all are prone to have anxiety and stress. And sometimes, you know, things that happen to us in life can trigger our anxiety. Uh, and sometimes, you know, it, it just doesn't. But as I said before, um, you know, and I'm going to talk about it a little later also, um, we're very, very busy today and we're very, um, we lead a very stressful uh, lifestyle. So that definitely can trigger anxiety and contribute to feeling of stress. So if someone is thinking that they may have anxiety, would you say that going, thinking about some of these symptoms that you mentioned is a good indicator for that? Or is that something that should definitely be diagnosed by someone else? Well, it's also good to consult with a mental health professional, but I mentioned those uh, symptoms because, you know, uh, if you have those symptoms or a combination of a few of the symptoms, uh, it, it definitely should be looked at. You know, we should not, you know, bite our nails or, or you know, or, or feel, you know, feelings of uh, increased heart rate or, or walk around with head, you know, sweaty hands. We should definitely, uh, you know, pause and and look at it and say, all right, what is it that that causes it? Maybe my level of anxiety is too high. Maybe I need to seek some treatment and, and to talk to someone in order to gain the coping skills to to deal with my stress and not to feel the way that I feel. Yeah. So you mentioned that it's really becoming more of an issue when someone finds that it interferes with their activity and life and the daily responsibilities that they have. Do you see that there's a connection between anxiety and meeting someone's goals? Yes. So, you know, 
things have changed and today we can exist, as I just said before, you know, in an extremely heightened state of stress most of the time. And that's because of how demanding the world is today. You know, we are driven by stress by being super, super busy all the time. So the more busy your day is, the more fulfilled you feel, right? So today, so so the problem is that we're getting used to this crazy pace of life. We're constantly running from one place to another. We're multitasking and we're actually getting really creative with that. We feel the need to overcommit and to fill our schedule up with, you know, more and more activities, not only for ourselves, but also for our, for our children. Um, we're not, the, the problem is that we're not fully present with whatever we're choosing to do because we're all over the place. And all that without even taking a real break. Now, Daphne, I'm not talking about a, a break, you know, looking at our phone or any other electronic device, scrolling through social media to see who has better life than we do, which, by the way, I hope everybody already know that it's not an indicator of how good uh, or stress-free someone life is. But yeah. back to using our phone for, for distressing, you know, playing Candy Crush or any other game for that matter. Is not a real break, you know? We think it's a real break, but it's not because when we play a game on our phone or any other device, we're not giving our brain a real break, the break that our brain really needs. We're, you know, we're, we're, what we're doing is we're actually overstimulating it again. So a real break is when we really clear our minds, when we take a deep breath, when we stretch, when we uh, read a book, or uh, when we walk in the park or when, you know, when we truly relax, that's considered a break. Now, a lot of people ask me, you know, does anxiety, you know, anxiety, does it help me or, or does it hurt me to, to accomplish things? You know, and, and that's um, and, and that's a very good question. Um, now, I would like to pause here before I answer that um, question I just raised and uh, emphasize something that is very important. Anxiety is not a bad thing when it comes to when it comes in small doses. You know, anxiety actually helps us perform well under pressure. It motivates us to do our best. It keeps us on our toes during a presentation at work or when you know the teacher asks us you know a question about uh, what we just learned. It, it helps us stay focused, energetic, alert. However. Anxiety in large doses can hurt us. You know, if we frequently find ourselves stressed and tired and frazzled and and, and over, overwhelmed, that means that stress and anxiety stopped being helpful and started causing major damage to our health, to our mood, to our productivity, and you know, to our overall quality of life. Um, then that's probably exactly the right time to take action, to bring our nervous system back into balance by seeking help, talking to a mental health professional. Um, so in conclusion, I, I, I can you know say that when we use a little bit of anxiety to accomplish things and be on top of our game, that's okay. But we need to learn how to balance it and keep it within the normal range uh, so it won't hurt us. And if someone doesn't have access to a mental health professional or if there's something else that's preventing them from going to seek help, 
Are there things that they can do on their own? Give us a few basic techniques that you find helpful that people can do easily on their own at home. Yes. So that's a great question. Um, So there are various things, actually, that people can do to manage anxiety. The most important thing is first to learn and recognize the signs and symptoms of their own anxiety because people, you know, experience anxiety and stress very differently. The way you, Daphna, experience stress and anxiety is very different than the way I experience it. So we need to learn how much, and we also need to learn how much stress is too much stress for us because it, as I said before, it differs from one person to the other. Some people thrive on the excitement of high stress stressful lifetime, you know, while others feel that, you know, they're falling apart from being so stressed. For some people, symptoms of anxiety include, you know, physical symptoms, the one I mentioned before, like sweaty hands and chest pain. While for other people, you know, it's it's all about abdominal pain and, and feeling, you know, nauseous, nauseous and lethargic. So um so it's important to know how we experience anxiety. Uh, a lot of times I have patients who come to my office and tell me that, you know, they have this this physical symptoms and that physical symptoms, and they uh, went to so many doctors and specialists because their stomach was hurting and they went through so many checkups and tests and they, and, and you know, they thought that something was seriously wrong with them until the doctors said to them, you know, it must be anxiety because there's no medical problem that was detected and, and you know, send them to me. Um, so as I said before, the first thing we need to do is to learn about ourselves and how stress and anxiety is manifested in our own lives. So after we've learned our signs and symptoms, there are a few things that we can do to manage anxiety. So the first thing I would like to mention is we need to make sure that we sleep. We need to make sure that we have enough sleep. When we don't get the amount of sleep that our body needs, stress hormone elevates and it can trigger anxiety. So now sleep is related to what I've said earlier about overcommitting and living a very busy lifestyle. You know, what people do is giving up sleep time so they can keep up with the crazy busy lifestyle they created for themselves. And they don't realize that lack of sleep can be detrimental to their body and certainly trigger and elevate their level of anxiety. The next thing I would like to mention is exercise. Uh, it's very important to exercise on a daily basis in order to feel good and maintain good health. And I'm sure Daphne, you spoke about it in, in you know in previous uh, um, episodes. Um, we need to make sure that we limit the amount of uh, caffeine that we drink and alcohol. Uh, both can trigger anxiety. Both can trigger panic attacks. So I do suggest drinking a lot of water. Stay hydrated as much as possible. Um, also, it's very important, uh, and I'm sure you've talked about it plenty uh, in previous episodes, uh, to eat a well-balanced meal, to have energy-boosting snacks at hand. When we're skipping meals or when we're not leading a healthy lifestyle, we start to worry about our health, and that can definitely trigger anxiety. The last thing I would like to mention is to make sure that we have a strong support system. It's very important to know that we have people around us who can give us the support that we need. Um, It's good to know, you know, that you have a friend that is close by or a family member that if you feel stressed or or very overwhelmed, uh, they will be there for them, for you and and, and give you a, a helping hand. 
Yeah, and I think that's such a good point. A lot of people find that their families are not as supportive. It doesn't have to be a family member. So it could be a friend or it could be someone who you may not know, but shares the same issue exactly. as you. So there are plenty of support groups and forums and places where you could connect with people that you may not even know, but you all share the same issue. And that could be a really deep sense of support and connection there. Correct. Correct. Okay, good. So I just wanted to ask you, because as you know, I talk a lot about nutrition and weight loss, and I work with many women with PCOS who have high levels of anxiety um, as part of the condition. So women with PCOS are much more likely to suffer from anxiety. And certainly many of the things that you mentioned, like brain fog and depression and digestive issues, fatigue, those are all things that I see a lot of. How do you see anxiety play into weight loss or making lifestyle changes um, the way that, you know, someone would need to make in order to truly feel better? You know, so the way you look at life, your perception of life, uh, your perception of change are very, a, a very vital component here. So if you're generally an optimistic person who embraces changes, then lifestyle changes will be easier for you. Um, when we're going through lifetime changes, uh, we need to be prepared for difficult moments and know what resources we can utilize when tough times are around the corner. So that's why uh, it's important to first have all your ducks in a row and be fully prepared, you know, emotionally before deciding on any lifetime uh, change. Also, there's one more thing that I would like to mention here. We talked before about a healthy, balanced diet. And here I would like to um, mention it again because I do believe that the food that we eat can improve or worsen our ability to cope with life stressors. So, um, as a, you know, if we eat, for example, a diet that is, you know, full of refined carbs and sugary snacks or processed food, it can worsen symptoms of anxiety because we would probably feel very tired with deflated mood and lethargic energy, which will add another layer of stress to the already high stress level that, that we feel, you know, on the other hand, if we eat, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables, as well as, uh, omega-3 fatty acid and high-quality pro- protein, uh, we feel much healthier, right? And as a result, you know, we're much more ready to deal with life's ups and downs because we have all the energy needed to to do that. Yeah, that's so true. And a lot of this also has to do, like you said, with blood sugar control. So, right, so refined carbs and sugar and all of those things that may feel good in the moment and give us like a little bit of a sugar rush and, and an energy boost, and then we end up crashing, those types of things really mess up with the blood sugar control of the body. And then that's when we feel, you know, dips in energy and feeling a lot of cravings. And and like you said, just anxiety around why can't I control my body? Why do I have these ups and downs? Um, yeah. So it's totally related. I absolutely agree with you. Okay, great. So I think we covered so much. A lot of this could be useful for many of my listeners. So thank you so much. I think it helps clarify what anxiety is, how can someone start to recognize it, which is really the first step, and then, you know, seeking out some more professional help if they really feel like it's interfering with their life. Any final thoughts or tips or words of wisdom that you want to leave us off with regarding anxiety? You know, it's it's important for people to know the 
there is a solution for the way that they feel. The final suggestion that I would like to, you know, emphasize again is really make sure, you know, and I'm saying it to my patients as well, make sure you take breaks. Try to give as much attention to what you eat and how you eat it, meaning that if you're taking the time to cut yourself a salad, then sit down and enjoy it. You know, give your body the attention that it needs. I'm a very big supporter of exercise, and I think exercise is very important. If you don't have time to exercise, try to incorporate it into your daily routine with exercise options that are available to you, you know, like take the stairs instead of taking the elevator, meet a friend for a walk in the park. You know, that's usually around noontime um, when I'm in the office, I'm looking out the window and I see nurses and doctors just, you know, using part of their lunch break to just, you know, take a break, walk around the buildings, you know, uh, you know, get some fresh air. I, I think it's great. It's such a great stress reliever. You know, they're doing it for 10, 20 minutes and I'm sure that it's a great reset for them and they can, you know, go on with their day. So, so, so that's a, that's a great pattern of behavior that people can, can adapt, you know, eat healthy, take breaks, exercise, walk around, you know, meet a friend for, for, for lunch, have some, you know, one-on-one time with, with your spouse, with your children, just taking care of ourselves is super important. It's not hard to do if we make it part of our daily routine. Now, the last thing that I want to say, and I will end uh, by saying that, it's super, super important to plan ahead, you know, and, and it, it, it's important for, you know, for our nutrition, it's important for anxiety, for stress. Um, it's important to plan our week ahead so we know what we're, you know, when we're going food shopping, what are we planning to eat for lunch, for dinner each night? I always like to encourage my patient to take a few hours on Sunday and to plan their week ahead, you know, or even make their lunches for the week. Daphne, I saw on your Instagram how, you know, or how you organized your lunches, you know, for the week. You have everything in separate boxes for each day and it's all nice and neat. I, I think that's a great, it's a great way to to start the week and, and to have, it's one less thing to worry and, and stress about knowing that we're starting the week with good, healthy choices and and, you know, everything is well planned in advance. And just by doing that, we're creating, you know, inner peace, which which is going to make our hectic life much more, much more doable. Yes, 100%. Thank you so much for being here. I know that my listeners are going to get a ton out of this episode. And if they only get started with one or two things, that's a great place to go, right? That's a great start. Yes, absolutely. You don't have to do everything all at once, right? Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. All right, Liat, thanks for being here. When can you have me on the show again? (laughs) We'll have to find the time because this was awesome. So you're definitely going to be returning. Okay, great. Thank you so much for having me. Have an awesome day. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview and I've found a lot of great insights, strategies, and information in what we discussed today. For more information, please visit the show notes below so you can get all the details, links, and recommendations that were discussed today. And if you like this podcast and what you've heard today, leave a review and subscribe to the show so you never miss when new episodes are out and you also help more people find this information. I'll be here again next week with a new episode. Until then, be well. Bye for now.